This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, good people. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 351, recorded on Tuesday, November the 28th, 2017. Apologize for being a day late, everyone, but... Uh, and a dollar short. Well, I'm always a dollar short, but we're not usually a day late. <laughs> no, we were last week. <laughs> well... <laughs> we did Friday, we skipped Thursday, and now we skip Monday. So, sounds like we're, we are we got a bad track record in the last week. We do, in the last week. But before that, I hope everything was more uh, on schedule, so, for a while. Anyways, uh, sorry about that, we're a day late. Uh, I hope Jasper's feeling better. He is a little bit off, but we can't quite pin down exactly what's going on. He seems fine, and then he throws up, and then he seems fine, and then he has a little bit of a fever, then he seems fine, then he throws up. Okay, it's well, weird. it is a little bit weird, but uh, you had to deal with that, and everybody understands, so that's that's yeah. very cool. Here and, we are. Uh, yeah, all the uh, the replies on Facebook were, uh, were really touching. Thank you, everybody who replied in wishing Jasper health and happiness. Everybody, everybody that listens to this show is an extremely cool person. So I'm not surprised that, I would they, think so, yeah. that they wrote in. Uh, okay. Well, here we are. We are here to talk about season eight, episode six, but first there was some big news on, um, Sunday night on AMC's Talking Dead show. They announced which character would be involved in the crossover between The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. And I have not heard this. I've been successfully stayed away from the media and I do not know who the character is. So you're about to tell me for the first time. I am. Are you excited? I'm excited. A little bit nervous, I have to admit. All right. Well, do a couple, I have a number of thoughts about this. Uh, the first of which is we did have a lot of listeners write in about their ideas and their theories on who it might be. And I've been saving all those emails with the intention of doing an actual segment or maybe even a whole podcast episode on who it might be breaking it down reading the emails and then amc goes and scoops us and and you know posts it so now we kind of can't really do that because there's not as much not so much point anymore but anyhow there's so there's that uh and then also part of me just wishes that they would not announce these types of things and just surprise us you know, and yeah. not even announce that there was a crossover and then just do it. And everyone would go, oh my God, I can't believe they just did that. But if they're going to announce an actual crossover, maybe keep the character a secret and surprise us with it. But no, they haven't done that either. So I'm a little disappointed in that. I wish they'd kind of stop telling us they're going to do things before they do them. Um, but what can you do? I guess they've decided that it's better for marketing to do it like this and get people pre-excited. Well, that or they're not uh, confident about being able to hold in the leak, right? So it's better yeah. to get out, get in front of it uh, and get it out there rather than uh, hold it under their hats and then somebody blab. I guess that is a valid concern these days with all the information that gets out there. If they tried to keep it a secret, they never would be able to because somebody would see them filming something on either show and be like, hey, what's that person doing there? You know, so... I guess that's a valid concern, but at the same time, if they were careful enough about it, maybe they could, maybe they could get away with it. I don't know. 
That's how I'm pretty sure that aliens don't exist. Because if they do exist and they have been on uh, on Earth and uh, so many people know about it, like Area 51, uh, that's one hell of a conspiracy to keep under wraps for such a long time. Yeah. So there's just no way to ha- would happen. Virtually impossible, right? So the-, the only way to keep a secret between three people is to kill two people. <laughs> and I don't think they're killing everyone who knows about aliens. Or maybe they are. Exactly. Oh, my God. Well, let's talk about who the character is. Do you want to take a guess? Do you have any of your own theories before I blurt it out? Uh, not anymore. No? I had a theory last time that it was going to be a new character. That's oh, yeah. the only thought that I that I have is that it's not somebody we know about already. But well, it is not a new character. It is a character we all know. Do you want really? me to tell you which way the character is going? Like, is it no, a character? Just tell me. Are you sure? Everybody, everybody else knows. I'm the only one that doesn't know. I know, but that's what makes this exciting for me. Yeah. All right. The not character... I'm not, not, not a big fan of guessing games, so just tell me. Okay. The character that is crossing over is... Dun-da-da-da! Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> no. It is. It's no. Lenny James as Morgan. And my reaction to that was, huh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> so Morgan is going to be... On Fear the Walking Dead before he meets Rick. Okay, well, this is what I don't understand, and they have not released uh, a, a, a reasoning for this. So, Fear the Walking Dead takes place early. Morgan was in Season 1, Episode 1 of The Walking Dead. Yep. Then, then we didn't see him until Season 3 in Clear, and that was a yep. one-off episode. And then... He came back uh, in season five for three episodes. And I think at least one or two of those were just brief uh, little teasers with Morgan. Remember, he was following them to Terminus or something. Yep. Uh, and so he was really not reintroduced as a, a series regular until after that. So we've got kind of four years or not years, four seasons of Morgan not being on the main show, which should be earlier in the zombie apocalypse. So does this mean that either, well, does this mean that during those early years after Rick left him in the premiere, Morgan went West, met up with everybody on fear, then left and came back to the East coast and tracked them up towards Terminus and ultimately to Alexandria? Or is fear jumping way forward and Morgan is actually going to leave the main show in the present timeline and go west and visit everybody on fear in the current time frame. Well, that's the only thing that, that makes sense. If, if uh, Morgan, it's going to be complicated. So uh, the fear of the walking dead has to jump forward in time, a significant amount of time for, uh, Morgan to show up there at all. If he shows up there after season one, episode one of The Walking Dead, uh, the show has to jump forward in time a number of weeks, I would say, because Rick during the time uh, Rick was in a coma. So I assume in Fear the Walking Dead, Rick is still in a coma. Well, I don't think he's still in a coma at the end of season three on Fear. Like Fear... You don't think so? No. I, I, fear, you could be right. There could be a, a, a number of weak differences, but I don't think that is a huge time frame to uh to deal with i don't think um right. i think fear is beyond the point at which rick wakes up in the coma 
from okay. the coma. So that then it'll uh, it'll take place after uh, season one, episode one, where uh, he shows up with his son Dwayne. By the way, uh, which is another factor. Uh, so it'll have to be after that, but before clear. I would assume. But but see, that's years later. But he's clearing. Morgan is clearing because Dwayne got bit by his mother, and Morgan, you know, had to kill Dwayne and his wife, and that's when he went crazy and decided he had to clear. So he. So what you're saying is, Walking Dead season one premiere. Morgan and Dwayne are there in Atlanta. Rick yeah. leaves them. Morgan and Dwayne go west, meet up with the fear people, come back. Uh, somehow he finds his zombie wife and again. all the, again, and all the Dwayne stuff happens and all that happens. And then he goes crazy. And then Rick meets him in clear. No. Uh, it, okay, if that if what you say is true, then it'll have to be after clear because I don't think Dwayne has can be in the picture because they either have to recast him or Dwayne's going to be significantly older than he was in the pilot episode. They definitely have to recast him. They couldn't use the same actor. That kid, that kid is ten years older now. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. So that's why I think that Dwayne is not going to be part of the crossover. Right. So it'll just be uh, Morgan. So crossover is post clear, meaning as soon as. Uh, Rick encounters Morgan in clear and then leaves again. Yeah. Morgan goes west and comes back. Yeah, he becomes wandering Joe. He wanders the earth, walks the earth for a while, meets up with uh, the fear of the walking dead people, uh, imparts wisdom, and then leaves uh, leaves them and then meets the cheesemaker. Is there enough time Is is my only question. Like, I don't fully understand the time frame I don't think of the show in general <laughs> and right. and I don't know I just don't know if that if the time works out for that and if it does great but if not this means that the only other scenario I can think of and I'm sure there are other ones out there but the only one that comes immediately to mind is that Morgan has has yet to go out west and is going to at some point leave the main show in the current time frame for parts unknown or uh you know maybe he won't tell anyone where he's going and then show up on fear the walking dead which has taken a massive time jump forward to line up the time frames between the two shows right that and that that doesn't feel right either because it feels like how much are we going to miss on fear if they just do that and, and I don't know. So I, I just don't know how they're going to make this work. Um, the other thing is, does this mean that Morgan is actually leaving the main show or will he somehow be on both? Um, so they, they <laughs> announced, they announced this, which, which I think is possible. You know, he could in theory film both shows, the filming schedules for them don't overlap by that much and they just have to work the schedule out. But they announced this on AMC's Talking Dead, like I said. Melissa McBride was on the show, and she seemed rather emotional about it, as if Lenny James wasn't going to be on The Walking Dead anymore and only on Fear. So that sort of means that Morgan has like left one show and gone to the other one. Or he dies in The Walking Dead. Well, that's... We, he reprises his role on Fear the Walking Dead, and it becomes that much more emotional knowing full well how and when he dies. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is he going to be killed off on the main show 
just to reappear on the other one in some kind of time frame. Obviously, it has to be before then because he, he'll be dead. But yeah, well, I mean, as The Walking Dead, he could show up in the other show as a zombie, right? <laughs> He's going <laughs> to be. Know, he gets bit, becomes a zombie, and he wanders all the way from the uh, Washington, D.C. area down to Tijuana and meets up with uh, everybody down there. That'd be a hell of a journey. That would a be a hell of a journey. Now, Fear is currently filming in Austin, Texas. I don't know if the show is taking place in Texas or if they're just filming there. Right. Uh, but either way, it's a long journey. And either way, I don't really know how they're going to pull this off, but I am curious to find out. Morgan is going to be in season four of Fear the Walking Dead. Okay. Which... So my vote is that Lenny James will be killed off in The Walking Dead and uh, will show up in Fear the Walking Dead after Clear. But before he uh, he follows them from Terminus. Okay. Or follow, yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, that seems to make some sense. I just don't quite understand what the t actual time is in there. I mean, I guess it would take a long time for them to travel from Georgia up to Washington, D.C. area. But that's still not as far as all the way out west and all the way back. But I guess with a right vehicle, you could do it. Yeah. This is more complicated than multi-thread programming where you have multiple threads running and doing different things and you have to synchronize information between them, that's a pain in the ass. This is more complex. It is, and I hope they can pull it off properly. Yeah, well, you know, you know, proper professionals can, uh, can do that kind of stuff if they need to. Of course, and the people running this show are proper professionals. Um, one more note I just want to say about this is Lenny James on, on uh, Talking Dead on Sunday night, he kept calling the show Fear of the Walking Dead. <laughs> Like he said it at least twice, maybe three times. And I thought that was kind of funny that he doesn't even really know the name of the new show he's going to be on. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Fear of the Walking Dead. I mean, it, it's kind of a better name, so I'm not surprised, but. I still like, uh, what was it? What was the code name for the show? Uh, Cobalt. Cobalt. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that'd have been, that'd have been a better name. I suppose. I'm, I'm used to Fear the Walking Dead now, but it still doesn't really make a ton of sense. Fear of isn't much better, but I feel like it's a little bit better. Fear dust. Fear dust talk, talking dead. Dust walking dead. You can fear go. the talking dead as well. Fear if us. If you insist. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's move on into our recap of season eight, episode six, Jason. We got a lot of title reads for this one. Cool. So I'm going to try something a little bit different. I'm going to start with a title read, and then I'm going to include the rest of them at the commercial breaks as we go through the episode. Okay. What do you think? I don't about know where the commercial breaks are. It doesn't matter. I watch it differently. I just have a black screen for a second. So yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter. Luckily I do. So I'm going to include them as we go through it and we'll see how this goes. It's a bit of an experiment rather than just playing them all up front. On tonight's episode of the walking dead, the King, he doesn't have a tiger anymore, but he still has Jerry, the widow, Negan killed her husband, and she's super pissed. And Rick. He just wants a peaceful life, and he'll kill as many people as he needs to to get it. Brought to you tonight by Jason, the man who knows more than he probably should about guns and ammo. And Chris, the man who makes sense of it all on The Talking Dead. Thank you so much. That was Anwen in New Zealand doing that, but... Really? But she, yeah, she got rid of her New Zealand accent. Uh, or she put on a North American accent. Well, you know what I mean. I was going to say she didn't completely get rid of it because you could hear a little bit in there. But yeah, she, she little, did a good, 
I don't know, American slash Canadian accent. Yeah, it was pretty Fair, good. Fairly North American neutral, I would say, but pretty good. Yeah, Midwest, Midwest United States slash can- Canadian. There you go. Or middle can middle Canada. Yeah. Middle Canada, Southern Ontario, not the, not yeah. the East. Anyhow, uh, thank you, Anwen, for that. There'll be more title reads as the episode goes on. So our cold open this week, we start off on a wheelbarrow on the side of the road, full of junk, including an old microwave. And, uh, after the shot lingers for a few seconds, Rick comes up and takes a piece of paper out of it. We cut to some cars arriving back at Alexandria Kingdom people are in the kingdom making a memorial. Carol uh, looks on while she cleans her gun. Uh, people bringing notes to each other. Tara has notes for Michonne. Aaron has one for Maggie. And as we're seeing all this, we start hearing a voiceover from Rick about how they've lost brave people uh, and, and they need to make sure they've won. Maggie chimes in with a voiceover about Jesus taking the prisoners. Carol does the same thing about the kingdom ambush and losing everybody but her, Jerry, and Ezekiel. So it's a little bit of a slowdown for a minute here, a little montage, a reminder of what we saw in the first five or maybe the first four episodes of the season and just kind of bring it all together a little bit. And uh, we finish with Rick continuing the voiceover, saying things like it's scarier than he thought it would be, but it's working. Uh, we hear him say the rest of the plan is still a go and he's moving on to it now. He mentions lookouts all around the compound, which I thought was interesting. It means they have, uh, Alexandria or let's say good guy lookouts, keeping an eye, an eye on things at the sanctuary, which I thought was right. interesting information. And, um, he finishes with, we meet at the sanctuary in two days to end this and win it all. Yeah. Has anybody coined the phrase Z-mail yet? Because this was just basically letters being passed around, giving people information. So uh, it seemed a lot like Z-mail to me. Z-mail, sure. Or Z-mail. Yeah. <laughs> Depends if you're, which country you're in. Uh, yeah. But but that's, I mean, that's, I found it a little strange that the way they were communicating like this. So they were, they were. Are you le- sure that was a microwave and wasn't some kind of transmatter uh duplicator like a fax machine where it, it actually duplicates matter from one of these devices to another because that would make more sense than just leaving stuff leaving mail in microwaves every every now and again well i mean it was part of the plan i guess that they were going to pass notes around to each other in these specified locations and we we saw the microwave i'm pretty sure it was a microwave but we didn't see where everyone else had notes or just as they traveled back to their home bases they exchanged information to, to make sure everyone knew what was going on. Now I found this kind of interesting because in the past it's always just been on the radio. Everyone talks on the radio and they always seem to have radios and it hasn't been a big deal, but now all of a sudden they either don't have radios or they're worried about communicating over radio and their transmissions being intercepted by the enemy. Do you think that's a possibility? It's absolutely a possibility. Uh, they would have to have encrypted radios, which I don't think that they do. They would just be using uh, the CB band, uh, you know, civilian broadcasting bands, which there's not that many of. There's just privacy channels on them and stuff, but that gives you a couple of hundred channels at, at the most. And they can, you can monitor those. Most radios now, two-way radios, you can just say scan and it just continuously scans until it picks up a signal and then stops. Right. Okay. So, so they would be giving away their information if they were talking on radio. So this makes a lot of sense. Leave notes, pass yeah. information by handwritten note and 
then there's less chance that it's going to get in the wrong hands. Yeah. I mean, you could attack the note to a zombie and sent it on its way and hopefully get train it to get to the destin- destination. Find an old uh, uh, mail carrier uh, zombie because they have residual memories of their jobs, apparently. So, you know, train that guy to uh, uh, to go back and forth between the communities. Carrier zombie. It's like the carrier pigeon of the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Or get a mailman. Get Daryl to start delivering mail full time. He's got a motorcycle. He can get in and out of places. All he can, he can just zip back and forth and give people notes all day long. I feel like Daryl does need a job that's going to keep him occupied and prevent him from doing something horribly stupid, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Mailman. Mailman. Daryl the mailman. Why not? Yeah. Perfect. Uh, anyway, so the information we learned is that the plan is still a go. They have lookouts around the compound and that they're meeting at the sanctuary in two days to end this. So that I feel like outlines the rest of the first half of season eight. Right. Um, before the end of the cold open though, we cut to a shot, (laughs) a shot of Jadis in the junkyard doing art in the nude or... Mostly well, she in the had nude. A thing on. I wish that they would have shown this scene before Halloween, because that would have dictated my Halloween costume. A red apron and nothing else. Just a red apron doing art. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm not sure I would have liked to seen that. I'm not sure you should take your son trick-or-treating with that outfit on, but around oh, the no, house. That's a, that's a, I'm talking about a private party. There you go. Private party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Family only. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I thought it was weird sitting there making some uh wire art or whatever it is with nothing but an apron on and i guess she doesn't want to get her her regular clothes dirty or something she's got this this woman has a kink to her i think uh she just likes to do things slightly left of center you know what i mean yeah i i really feel like that's true just off a little bit but somebody else walks by with the same apron and nothing else on right uh, well, maybe she's collecting people around her that have the same kinks that she does. Just which is fine. Oh, totally. I mean, as long as they're all consenting adults and that everybody's okay with her walking around in this apron, that's the only concern I would have. Is that the whole community has to agree to this, or it's inappropriate? Right. You don't. She's offending someone, and you don't want to inf- offend the people you're trying to make a community with. Right. Okay. Well, I thought it came out of nowhere and was weird, but who knows? Um. Suddenly there's a knock on her door, which is really a knock on, you know, one of the um, storage crate container doors. Yep. She nods at the other scavengers to go open it. And when they do, we go to opening credits and, uh, you know, without seeing who's there, just a big black void inside the thing. I wonder who it could be. I wonder who. I've got no idea, but we'll find out after this. The King, The Widow, and Rick. Hi guys, it's Adam from Sydney, Australia. Here's my title right. The King, the Widow, and Rick. Thank you, Jack in Victoria, BC, and Adam in Sydney, Australia, as he said. We come back from the opening credits, and uh, we are outside the hilltop. The prisoners, they have them there. They're up against the wall. Jesus is giving them some food. Turnips, I think it was, but Jared refuses. Yeah, rutabagas or turnips, I never really know the difference. Well, I believe later on he says turnips, right? But either way, he's given them some vegetables to eat, something to eat. Uh, Maggie, Gregory, and Enid come out, and Greg, uh, Maggie's first question is why he, he's giving away their food, which I think is kind of 
dumb. I mean, people have to eat. Even prisoners require food. Uh, you know, if they're going to keep them there, they need to feed them. But but maybe it hasn't been long enough yet for him to be distributing food is what her point is. But maybe the prisoners are supposed to eat each other. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that's not how you treat prisoners. No, not in today's day and age, but we're talking about the zombie apocalypse, right? Where uh, okay. resources are scarce, you know, prisoners, maybe the rule of the land now is that uh, when a group of prisoners are, uh, you know, confined together, that they have to draw lots and eat somebody. That's crazy town, but I don't know. I feel like it's probably just not enough time has gone by. And she's like, you know, they've only been here for two hours. They're probably not hungry yet or if they are they're not they can... hungry enough to eat a raw fucking turnip i can tell you that much well that's the, the other thing i mean you do need to cook that sucker or if you're you gonna eat boil it raw. the shit out of it and then you add a whole bunch of brown sugar and then it's good and butter <laughs> but just a raw turnip i can't even imagine ever being that hungry well i can why well, I, I mean i can't i've never been that hungry right but i i imagine in a starving lack of food situation you'd eat a raw turnip turnip if you had to I probably would end up eating grass and leaves and stuff. It actually might It'd be easier to digest than a raw turnip. That stuff's like made of wax. <laughs> well, you may be right, but I didn't see anyone eating them. So who knows? That's because uh, actors wouldn't eat them. That's for sure. Yeah. There's a craft services truck just left of them. So I'm sure that they don't need to eat turnips. No, I'm sure they're, they're fed just fine. Well, uh, Gregory pipes up and he suggests that this is all wrong and they should build some gallows. On the inside yeah. of the hilltop. Don't, don't feed them. Just hang them. Just hang them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. You're wasting food. Um, Maggie sends Gregory inside, but he insists he's right, of course. And then Maggie says to Jesus that he shouldn't have put them in this position and that they have to figure out a way to end all this. Jesus agrees, but says that when they do, they have to ensure that what's left is worth what they lost. Right. And I can see both sides of this argument. You know, Maggie's like, you shouldn't have done this. We had a plan. Now we're in a position where we have to deviate from the plan or make a very difficult decision. And he's trying to say, yeah, well, none of these decisions are easy. And whatever we decide, we have to live with it after this. So let's decide right. So Maggie can just go down the line and take their turnips back. Well, good, good cop, bad cop. <laughs> you get a turnip. Turnips. Nope. You get a turnip. Nope. <laughs> oh man 10 minutes ago i had a turnip now i don't have any turnips at all no turnips at all uh we cut over to carol and she goes into the theater where ezekiel is on his throne stage but jerry is standing guard and says he's not taking visitors carol yells through the door um that they promised to meet rick so i assume she's talking about you know meeting rick in two days time at uh the sanctuary but there's no response from inside and Jerry then says that Ezekiel told him to leave, but he won't go because, you know, this is what he does. And he, he guards the king. And for the first time, Jason, Jerry seems really dis uh, depressed and kind of out of sorts, not like himself at all. I think Jerry's going to turn into the lion, like figuratively, not literally, but he's Whoa. going to be the lion from now on. I think you might be right. He is going to stand by Ezekiel's side and, uh eat people for him when needed. Yeah, with his axe. His axe is hungry. Ooh, the axe is hungry. The axe is He's like... He's got a new axe. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, you're right. He was holding a new axe. So they have a supply of axes and Jerry will always have a battle axe. 
Well, yeah, Jerry has a backup axe. He probably is having another backup axe commissioned as we speak from the uh, from the Hilltop people. Yeah. Because they send mail to each other. So he probably sent an order in saying, please make me a new backup battle axe because I seem to be going through them. Yeah. <laughs> I can't uh, I can't break a lock with one. Make it a little stronger next time, please. Yeah. Can I, can I get a plus one battle axe? Is that possible? Yeah. Just spend a little extra time. Plus one battle axe. <laughs> plus one. Uh, but you're, but you're right. Your point about him being the tiger is an interesting one, I think, actually, even though it's sort of funny. He, he's going to be the man that stands with Ezekiel no matter what and, and just be his right-hand tiger. He's, he's a crappy guard, though, in this episode. Well, fair enough. But he, you know, Carol walks past him. He says, oh, he's not taking visitors. And then she leaves. Then she comes back later. He's like, the door's open. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. But way to, way to guard him, buddy. You know, he's, he's ceremonially there, I think. And well, Carol, maybe Carol's not the enemy, right? Carol's not the enemy. That's right. He just has to tell her he's not taking visitors. So uh, anyways, I didn't like seeing Jerry kind of all sad and stuff, but I hope he gets his mojo back. And frankly, I hope Ezekiel does too eventually. Because for now, he does yeah, not they're have both to. in their cocoons right now. They've, you know, they were caterpillars doing their thing as caterpillars uh-huh. do, and now they're they've woven themselves into little uh, isolation cocoons. They've turned themselves into goo, and then that they will emerge stronger and beautiful butterflies. I think you're right. I think we're going to see that very soon. Uh, but Carol, for now, she walks away, and as she's walking away, little Henry is there practicing his staff work. And he says to Carol that he'll go with her to fight, but she says no and don't follow me. Right. Um, Two things about Henry. Henry, in case anyone forgot, was the little brother of Ben, remember, who got killed. I do. And in real life, Henry is the real life brother of Madison Lintz, who played Sophia. Nice. I don't know if you were aware of that. I was not aware of that. Well, it's just some uh, Walking Dead trivia for you. So That's new trivia for me. There I you. love trivia. Nothing like a good bite of trivia. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, well, I learned the other day that uh, when caterpillar, when, uh, caterpillars turn into butterflies, they actually do turn completely into goo, including their brains. Yet they will still remember things that they learned as a caterpillar. They're brains completely liquefy and then reform into a different brain and they still have memories. That's extremely cool. And I can see why you have caterpillars on the brain right now. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a little, another bit of trivia. I, I also wonder why you don't pronounce the R in caterpillar. Me personally? Yeah. Or you, you just say you, you've been saying caterpillar. Caterpillar. Cater, caterpillar. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a cold accent maybe there you go An accent that i've created to deal with this cold jason is still sick everyone or so sick this is a new cold okay sick again just yeah i'm sick again all right i'm gonna get sick every three weeks from now until jasper's 17 i think that may be the case i hope that's not it i hope he's not suffering because either he gave you something or you gave him something right now i don't know what it is all right well i hope both of you get better soon yeah. In the meantime, we cut over to the junkyard. They now bring Rick in to see Jadis, and he's there to offer Jadis another deal. Even though the last time they had a deal, things didn't go so well. Uh, she, of course, questions the trust between them after she shot him and killed his people, but Rick insists that, no, you didn't shoot me, you just grazed me. That's why I'm up and about and able to was able to like walk around you know, immediately after that happened. Right. Um, Jadis thinks Rick needs them to save his people, 
but he breaks out the pictures to prove that the saviors are already mostly defeated and surrounded by walkers and just show her how many they've killed already. So, um, he says that Jadis needs to forget Negan, switch sides again, he says, and be part of the world they'll build together. Otherwise, him and the Alexandrians will destroy them. Yep. So he's like saying, join us or die. <laughs> Which is a fairly good argument. I guess so. It might convince me to join someone, but not so much for Jadis. Uh, he also mentions that his people know he's there, so they know he came to see her, and that what, you know, they do next, meaning Rick's people, depends on what Jadis does right now. And that's, I guess, his way of saying, if I don't come back or if I'm harmed in some way, then you're going to bring the fury of Alexandria, the kingdom, and the hilltop down upon this place, and it will not be good for you. Yeah, we have catapults and turnips, so be careful. Be very, very careful. Um, so Rick gives Jadis a yes or no ultimatum and her answer is no. So they, they take Rick away. Bye Rick. Bye bye Rick. He's gone. And we go to a commercial break. The king, the widow, and Beckle Rick. Wubba-lubba-dub-dub. Presenting the king, the widow, and Rick. Thank you to Gareth on the highway to Hamburg, Germany, and Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey, for those two title reads. I got to admit, Jason, really quick, I've heard of Pickle Rick, but I don't really know what it is. It's a thing from Rick and Morty, I think. I, I really, I've never heard of it. I have no idea. Really? Well, I know you're just not on the internet at all other than this thing, so. No, I'm on the internet a lot, but just not in the same circles that the rest of the world is. I guess, I guess not. So, um, I do think Gareth's read was funny, but I don't know exactly what Pickle Rick means other than I've heard of it before. So, let's move on. Okay, so Maggie is in her office in the hilltop. Gregory is there, and he's talking about how people who aren't leaders always think uh seem to think they know better on how to do things well yeah peanut gallery well it's a thing it's a thing yeah they just have opinions it's the it's the way it goes um but you know he says she can judge him but what he did was the in the best interest of the community because his solutions didn't involve any bullets unlike everything else they've tried to do and she, of course, accuses him of cutting a deal to save his own ass, which is absolutely true, too. <laughs> yep. Even though he has a point, I think, about trying to do things uh, without any violence, it basically means... I don't know. I think that he's making an argument now to save his own ass again. I, I absolutely 100% agree with that. But, I mean, if his, even if his plan was to go there and say, we surrender, don't kill anybody, we'll do what you say, uh, that would involve less violence, you have to admit. Most likely. It would, but I don't think he did. I think he went there and said, save me. I'll kill anybody you want. I'll have anybody else killed that you want as long as I don't die. Mm, you may be right. Uh, you may be right. So he's, he's always saving his own ass no matter what. Yes. Doesn't care about anyone else. Well, that's what she accuses him of doing, just cutting a deal to save himself. And Gregory says that, you know, she's now the shepherd and she can't have wolves wandering around among the sheep. And I kind of liked that analogy in this case, because to me, he was referring not necessarily to all the savior prisoners, but I think he was actually referring to Jesus. 
and saying, this guy is, he's not working on your side. Like he's not working to the same goal that you are. And so he's kind of a wolf wandering around in your community of sheep and going to cause problems. Isn't Jesus supposed to be a shepherd? Well, sure. But in this case, he's a wolf. Yeah. And not a wolf from the show. He's the metaphorical wolf. <laughs> Different kind of wolf. Yeah. Wolf in sheep's clothing, but not the shepherd. Right. Not the shepherd. So I, I don't know. I, I, for, you know, I, I always enjoy Gregory's scenes, but you just love to hate the guy at the same time. And I do think, oh, yeah. again, he was, he was pretty good in this scene. Uh, but we cut over to Michonne back at Alexandria. She's getting into a car. Rosita comes up and reminds her that Rick said to stay put, but Michonne says she's just going to take a look and Rosita gets in the car with her and they both leave. So first time we've seen them doing anything pretty much this whole season. Yep. That's fine. We go to Daryl. He's waiting outside a house in Alexandria and Tara comes out and she admits that not killing Dwight was the right call because Dwight has provided good information to them. But she also says she plans to kill him once all this is said and done with. I think she has more of a right to kill him than Daryl does. Well, do you think, I mean, he was in charge of torturing Daryl and trying to convert him to Negan. Yeah. But Dwight killed Dr. Denise, Tara's girlfriend. Yes. Tara's girlfriend got killed. She's got dibs. True. In my opinion. I guess so. Daryl's still alive and wasn't actually converted. He was ultimately rescued. Right. Okay. I can, I can, I can get on board with that. And uh, either way, I can understand Daryl being pissed, but if someone gets to kill Dwight, I think it should be Tara. Well, maybe Daryl gets to torture him for a while and then, then uh, Tara gets to kill him. <laughs> yeah, of course. That would work out best for everybody. Except Dwight, maybe. Well, Dwight, yeah, you know. He's got his own shit to deal with. I guess so. <laughs> uh, anyways, they are discussing what to do about that. And we cut over to nighttime outside the hilltop now. So we finally, you know, gone through a day and Jesus is still there keeping watch. He looks through a crack in the wall into the hilltop, sees some stuff going on and a savior asks what they're building. He says not to worry about it. And... You know, the Savior also questions whether Jesus signed up for this. It's sort of saying, like, do you even know what you're doing? Did you want to do all this? Are you in over your head? And uh, that's pretty much all he gets to because they hear some walker noises in the forest. And this Savior guy starts talking about when he first arrived at the sanctuary. Right. So slightly more information on sanctuary here. He mentions that multiple tough guys took over, but he was just happy to be getting fed at the time. And he mentions that he was sent to the satellite place to put up a fence. And what he's trying to do here is, you know, identify with Jesus a little bit saying, I'm just a guy. I was just trying to survive. I'm not bad. So, you know, you shouldn't yeah. harm me. Uh, but Jesus has a perfect response. He says, that no one can pretend that any of them are in, innocent in he includes himself in that. Yeah. So the guy's just saying, look, if, as long as you feed me, I don't care who's in charge. Like you gave me a turnip, so you're feeding me now. So as far as I'm concerned, you're in charge. You're in charge. You need, you need me to build a fence. I'll build a fence. Even though he went to the satellite station to build a fence and I don't recall any fence. Uh, well, there were, there were the zombie moat. Remember there was fences around oh, it. Oh yeah. Okay. There's zombies around. Now that being said, those were metal fences and, I think if you were going to build a fence, you'd probably make a wooden one, uh, unless you had metal 
working tools or something or 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 an existing metal fence you were moving from or one fence. place to another. You know, maybe it wasn't building a fence. Maybe it was putting up a fence. More erecting you know, a fence. Yeah. Yeah. Erecting. Yeah. I don't some know. Mighty erection of some kind. <laughs> of some kind. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, I liked the, the idea here that, that this guy was trying to appeal to Jesus's, you know, humanity a little bit, but sort of didn't work. And Jesus was like, look, none of us are innocent. So you can't claim to be either. And Listen, shut up for a second. Don't be an idiot. Like, it was basically, I wouldn't let anybody talk. If I was up there and I was trying to guard these guys, I wouldn't try to, I wouldn't let anybody undermine my uh, mental status quo by talking in any way, shape, or form. Uh, no. Probably whack them with something stick-like. Something stick-like or butt end of a rifle-like. <laughs> something. And another thing is that all these guys sitting up against the fence, how many guards were there? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure it was a totally clear. Jesus wasn't the only one there. There were other hilltop people out there with guns. Well, you know, if they all stood up and ran, how many do you think would get away? Probably lots. I guess, uh, especially all in different directions, you know, uh, you can, you can only spray machine gun fire <laughs> so yeah. quickly. So I don't know. You're but right. That's that, uh, that would require a collective decision, which is difficult for human beings to get on board with, right? They're kind of me oriented. Right. Like we could all get up and run and a lot of us would survive. That'd be great. But I'm not so sure that I'd survive. So I'm not going to do anything right now. Right. You're right. I, I wouldn't run if I were them. I'd just be oh, doing I what. I couldn't run. I'd probably, I'd be the, I'd probably raise my hand. I'd be long dead. Like there's no way I'd even be in this situation. I'd be like, would have died before Rick came out of the coma. Yeah. First, like day one. You Yeah. You remember the truckloads full of bodies that, uh, uh, that they were talking about before the pilot? <laughs> that's you. <laughs> yeah. That's me. I'm one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think if I was in this situation, there's no way I'd be running either. I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I'm told and hope they decide not to kill us. And maybe hopefully they'll let me play hockey. Maybe. Because, man, I love playing hockey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Here we go with some more title reads. The King, the Widow, and Rick. The King, the Widow, and Rick. Just just some guy, just some guy named Rick. You know, the King Rick. is very regal. The Widow, at least, is a is a name that has some connotation behind it. And then Rick. Yeah, it's just some guy, you know? Yeah, that's right. So after the break, we come back. We're driving with Michonne and Rosita. They talk about why they came out, why they left Alexandria. Uh, and Michonne expresses a desire to help and be part of the plan. And she equates this desire to like a siren going off in her head, she says. And she wants to see the sanctuary to make it stop. And she also mentions that it's been a day and a half. So... And they have, like, I, I understand that that's, that feels like all the time that's, that's passed, you know, but that being said, she was beat up pretty bad at the end of last season. And yeah. I know it's more than a day and a half after that, uh, because there was time back at Alexandria for them to come up with this plan, but I feel like she's healed quite significantly in that time frame. So it yeah. must, must be more time than I think in between seasons. Well, I think they're all on the same island that all the lost people are, were on because people really heal quickly on that island. And I think that they're, uh, everybody in this society or in this world heals pretty quickly. And I assume it's because they all have really soft bones. 
I guess. They just fuse back together immediately, right? But, yeah. I mean, Michonne looked to be in pretty rough shape after that fight up on top of the building uh, when Negan was in Alexandria at the end of last season. But she seems a lot better now. So yeah. they heal quick. Um, and then to make a point of her staying behind because she was healing, that kind of made me think, oh, God, they're they're loose and goose with loosey goosey with the time here again, as they usually are. But what can you do? Uh, this is her explanation. She wants to go see the sanctuary. And Rosita kind of accepts this idea. And suddenly they hear music playing in the distance. Happens to be all the time. You're just walking around and you hear music. Yep. All right. Well, they stop, they get out of the car, and they follow the sound into the forest. And they come across a building where it appears to be originating from. We don't know. Cool. We don't know what's going on yet quite at this point. Concert of some kind, I assume. Some kind, yeah. We cut uh, to the forest, to a different part of the forest, I guess, and there's a zombie stuck on a stake reaching for a plastic bag, and then all of a sudden, Carl is there, slowly approaching, and he watches the guy that we saw briefly in the premiere that Rick scared away by shooting over his head. He's yep. there, he comes up, and he kills the zombie. So this, this guy's back. Um... Carl starts talking. He blames his dad for the warning shots. He introduces himself and offers this guy some food and water. And the other guy says his name is Sadiq. Nice. So this is a character from the comic. If you're a comic reader, you might know a little bit about him. Was this after issue 100? It was, yes. Then I do not know who he is. Then you do not know. That's right. Uh, now, Sadiq in this situation is pretty untrustworthy, but he accepts the food from Carl and, you know, Carl says he's doing this because it's the right thing to do. He tells him they have a community. And then he asks him the three questions. Question the first, how many walkers have you killed? S- lots and lots and lots. Sadiq's answer is 237, give nice. or take. <laughs> uh, how many people have you killed? His answer is one. And why? His answer is the dead tried to kill him, but they didn't. So I can only assume that somebody he was with got bit and he killed him to put him out of his misery uh, or this person was already dying and there was no hope. And so that's what he did. Right. So he killed a dead person after killing a whole bunch of dead people. Well, he killed a whole bunch of dead people and then killed a living person who was about to become a dead person. Figuratively dead. I guess so. Yeah. But still, I mean, you know, in a long enough timeline, we're all dead, right? So we're all already dead. Still, really? still technically living at the time though. So yes, that's right. So if you, uh, if you're standing in a window and somebody jumps off like a 30 story building and they're on their way down to their death and you shoot them, you're guilty of murder. Even though they would have died if you had done nothing. Uh, so technically you're still guilty of murder. Yeah, that's, I guess that's true. You did kill them on the way down and you're yeah. guilty of pulling off a pretty amazing shot. I would think. <laughs> Well, you know, you could do it. <laughs> Somebody could do it. <laughs> um, and so Sadiq explains to Carl that his mom thought that killing walkers would free their souls. And he says that that's what he's been doing. He's going around killing walkers to free their souls because you have to honor your parents. So it's a little bit like Morgan clearing, to be honest. I feel like Sadiq has been trapping walkers on stakes or you know, other ways and then killing them because 
he has this idea that it just frees the soul to go on to whatever he may believe is next. I kind of like that right. as a concept. That's, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, um, Carl accepts all this and he says that he's going to bring him back to his community. Now, before we see anything more with that, we go over to little Henry. He is now out in the forest by himself and he's fighting two walkers. Uh, I had a real bad feeling for Henry here. I'm like, kid, what are you doing? You're by yourself. Carol said, do not follow her. Yet he's out yeah. there with his staff and he's, uh, hits a couple walkers and he managed to knock one down, but he is in trouble. Yeah. He's hitting him in the legs and the arms. And because he's not tall, like he's a child size, so it's difficult to get a higher blow and he's not that strong. So yeah. I'm not surprised he, there's no way, uh, Henry was going to survive this had Carol not stepped in. Yeah. Which she does. And she saves him by shooting them and then scolds him for following, uh, following her. And he comes back with his, that he's not scared and that they need fighters and he wants to get the guys that killed his brother. Which is, you know, rage is good well, in it's, this world. It's admirable too. I mean, he wants to make his brother, you know, not have died for nothing. And part of him wants to get revenge, but he's still only like a eight, nine-year-old kid, 10 maybe. So there's not much he can do on his own, but at least he's stepping up and trying to do something, I guess. That's true. Right. Uh, anyways, he manages to get through to Carol. And so she gives him a gun and he said he watched her train people. So he knows how to use it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I've watched Mythbusters. Mythbusters. Have you watched, ever watched Mythbusters? Yeah, of course. Not too regularly, but I've seen it. So they, they set off explosives every now and again, right? Because they think that's fun to blow shit up. When in doubt, C4. Sure. I think is their motto. <laughs> uh, so I've seen them many times on TV and they talk about the safety of explosives and uh, how to be safe. So therefore using this logic, I am fully qualified to uh, deal with explosives on the C4 level. I don't see why not. Because I've seen it on TV. Sure. Well, he's at least seen it in real life. And as they're walking away, you do hear Carol say, keep the safety on until I tell you to turn it off. Does, uh, does he know where the safety is? Does I don't he know. remember that? Because there's a big difference between being trained on how to use a firearm and seeing someone else be trained on how to use a firearm. I totally agree. It's absolutely ridiculous that he would really know. Maybe he's had some kind of basic training with it i mean i know myself if someone handed me a gun and said keep the safety on i'd be like safety's on by pulling this thing right and uh <laughs> i wouldn't know what i was doing so uh, that is incorrect christopher yeah i know it uh, all depends on the firearm that's the problem of course is that the safety is generally in the same kind of place but it uh, it ultimately depends on the kind of firearm you're holding like do you know where the safety is on a revolver no revolvers don't have safeties that's oh, the see? problem <laughs> see <laughs> i no, would have no idea i'd be sitting there all day looking for it meanwhile i'm getting eaten by a zombie so exactly good times uh yeah so it's kind of ridiculous but i'm i can only assume that henry has maybe his brother gave him some basic firearm training before he died you know i don't know i don't know take three minutes and explain to him 
where the safety is, how to re- uh, you know take out the magazine, put it back in, how to cock it, uh, what you know, point and shoot kind of thing. Three minutes of very basic instructions would go a long way in this situation. Well, I I agree with that, but you can't show that on a TV show. Three minutes of that would be would not be good TV. But I do think instead of walking away saying keep the safety on till I tell you, she could have said here's a gun. Okay, point it this way. I'm going to show you how to use it, and then we cut away. Exactly. Okay. You know, we don't have to watch the whole thing. We just have to allude to the fact that it's happened and not just assume that he's watched somebody uh, have instruction on firearms and therefore is qualified to wield one. All right. Well, small point, but could have been done a little bit better, I think. Uh, Okay. Commercial break. So here we go. The king. The widow. And Rick. Ooh. And Jason. Ooh! And Chris. And I hope uh, little Jasper's feeling better. This is Lee in St. Catharines. So the king, the widow, and Rick walk into a bar. I kind of wish I knew the rest of that joke. That'd be a good joke. Sounds like a good joke. Sounds like a good joke. If anyone has a king, the widow, and Rick walk into a bar joke for us, make sure you email that in, because I want to hear it. Or record yourself telling the joke even better. After the break, we come back and we are outside the hilltop again. Enid comes out and says that Maggie said to bring them all in. Uh, So Jesus leads them in, and it turns out they've built a pen slash prison for them. So they put all the prisoners in, and Maggie says they'll feed them. They won't mistreat them, but they won't accept anything but total cooperation. Right. Do they have chickens? Uh, I think they probably have some chickens, yeah. Well, you just feed them hard-boiled eggs all day long. Good for you. Sure. This is good protein in eggs. I love a good hard-boiled Renewable egg. Renewable resource. Yep. All you need is chickens. Chickens lay eggs. They sure do. <laughs> I've heard. I've never seen it. Uh, no. I've heard. I'm pretty sure they do, yeah. Well, uh, Gregory, of course, is there, and he disagrees by saying they can't have people they don't trust inside their walls. And Maggie agrees with him. Uh, but then... She has Gregory thrown in the pen with the prisoners because I guess he's one of the people that you can't have inside your walls because you don't trust him. You're a dickhead and I don't need charges to throw you in jail. So fuck you. (laughs) Pretty much. I did like this turnaround though. You know, this is a, for me, this was a really well-written series of scenes where before we had Maggie sitting there, Gregory in the office with her saying, you can't keep wolves in the hen house. Uh, and he basically kind of signed his own, you know, prison warrant here where I think that's what gave her the idea. She's like, okay, I got to do something with these prisoners. I can't have them inside, you know, unwatched because they're still the enemy, but you're standing around in here and you betrayed us too. So let's throw you all in together and see what happens. Yeah. I can't exile you because, well, I can, but. I won't, but I can throw you in jail with a whole bunch of uh, other people sure. and feed you. Yeah, well, if, if she exiled him, he'd probably just try to wander back to the sanctuary, I would think. But then, I don't know, maybe he wouldn't be welcome there either. Um, but anyways, he starts to struggle, of course, as they're throwing him in, and he ends up banging his head on the post and really bloodying himself up. Uh, he's whimpering and crying, and they drag him into the cell. And I... I must admit, I did not feel bad at all for him. Uh, no, it was sad and disgusting and enjoyable. Like, it was just kind of, kind of sad to see a grown, grown man blubbering like that, but still, it was Gregory, right? Got what he deserved. 
Yeah. You know, this is, this is a good outcome for Gregory. I think it's better than being exiled. It's better than being murdered. And Maggie's right. She can't just let him hang around because he's not going to, he's just not part of the community anymore. He gets fed for spending all day sleeping in the grass. I guess with blood all Inside over his a, face. Inside uh, a walled compound safe from the zombies and other people. I mean, he does happen to be in there with a bunch of saviors who we know are not the nicest people, but you're right. In some ways, he's safer than he's ever been. Yep. Good uh, for him. Good for I'm him. Proud of him. Uh, but as they go to lock the gate, Jared tries to make a break for it. Stupid long-haired Jared. And Maggie cold cocks him with the butt end of her rifle. He taunts her about getting people killed, and she hits him again. Nice. So he's not getting out. Uh... The savior who was outside talking to Jesus or was talking to Jesus outside the wall, he thanks her for doing this. So now he's just trying to look like the good guy and appeal to Maggie as well. You know, he's like, thank you for doing that. I don't want to cause any trouble. So, you know, you're a good person. Yeah, you got to watch out for that guy. That guy's going to be trouble. He might be trouble. Yeah. But we go over to Carl and Sadiq and they're walking through the forest. They come across some walkers that are eating a deer. So they make the rather silly decision, I think, to try and kill them for Sadiq's mom. I know they just had this conversation, but it doesn't seem like the smartest thing to do because it does not go very well. They get overwhelmed. Carl gets knocked down and Sadiq is too busy dealing with other walkers to help Carl. Carl is struggling for a while and ends up shooting a couple of the walkers off of him. And in the whole thing, neither Carl or Sadiq end up bitten or hurt. They're really just shaken up and covered in blood. Now they have a deer. And I guess they have a deer <laughs> that was How torn. the fuck did these walkers catch a deer? Well, the deer was probably already dead, maybe, and they ate it. No, because they don't eat things that are already dead, unless they're already right. eating it, right? Okay, if you and me were out in the woods, do you think we could catch a deer? Uh, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> How the hell did these guys catch a deer? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the deer if was I'd injured. Be able to build a trap to catch a deer. I wouldn't know how. I wouldn't know, know a deer trail from a highway. Uh, but, you know, I could probably figure it out. And how humans used to hunt animals is they would run until the animal became exhausted and fell down and you you could catch it. That's, you know, what humans are good at is long distance endurance running. Really, because well, we sweat really well, we dissipate heat very well, uh, we have good oxygen, generally speaking. You some know, humans. The, I, the ideal human, maybe. Sure. Uh, but uh, long distance running, that's how we used to hunt. You just run until the animal you're chasing becomes exhausted and falls down. Runs out of gas. you got yourself an animal. Yeah. You're I, tired, but you got yourself an animal. Yeah, you're tired because now you can eat and sleep for a while and I guess it'll be okay. Yeah. Zombies, on the other hand, they don't walk that fast. They don't run very good at all uh, really yeah how how the hell did they get a deer but they do the deer must have fallen asleep they, and not noticed the humans were the, the zombies were coming the zombies do have you know uh unlimited endurance though it's right you're they're just not fast but maybe the deer was asleep i don't know maybe it was injured and it couldn't get away yeah maybe there was a wolf maybe there was a wolf there were and they, the zombies scared off the wolf right a wolf could catch a deer a wolf can, yeah, wolf, wolf pack, no problem. Okay. So we'll just have to go with that. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, let's go with that. They just, uh, they were more like scavengers and they took the kill from another animal that made the kill. Got it. Much like the, uh, the jackal. There you go. 
And now Carl and Zeke show up, try to take the kill from the zombies that took the kill. And it doesn't go so well, but neither of them get hurt. Uh, after the fight, Carl says that he's responsible for Sadiq now. And Sadiq says he doesn't want to cause any trouble. So, you know, you're not done enough to be responsible for me. Uh, but Carl now mentions that sometimes kids have to find their own way to show their parents the way. And this was one of those lines to me where a kid is being extremely insightful into what they are going through at the moment, you know, which I feel like only happens on TV and in movies. Yeah. It's hard for at least maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's hard for human beings to see the forest for the trees. If you know what I mean, where they, it's hard for you to analyze what you're going through in a moment without perspective on it. Yet, People on TV, especially kids and teenagers, seem to be very good at this. And I feel like that was a, this was a moment like that for Carl. Yeah. When I was 17, I figured I knew everything and that I had everything under control. I really didn't. But then again, as I move through life, I realized that uh, when I think of myself a month ago, two months ago, I think, man, I said, was I ever young and stupid? Like two months ago. Boy, oh. that was dumb. I have that exact same experience. Even like I think of things I did last week and be like, I can't believe I did that. Like, I feel like I, I'm so much smarter now. <laughs> exactly. And so I've had that experience my whole life. So that perspective of, you know, looking back on your teens, mid teens, uh, and thinking I had really had no idea what the hell I was doing, but you know, maybe Carl does. He could be referring, you're right, he could be referring back to not that long ago, thinking about what he was like a month before and what he's like now. Maybe he's just spewing shit. I don't know. Because teenagers do that too. Sometimes you have to be the guy that you don't want to be in order to become the guy you want to be. You know, it's just like, okay, that is nonsensical and circular, but it could make sense if the person that you're talking to is traumatized enough. Dress for the job you want, not the one you have. See, but that makes sense. I guess. That's why I don't wear ties because I don't want that job. <laughs> yeah. Right? I could, I could, I could, it would be, I would have trouble dressing worse at work. So yeah. I'm not sure I've what gone that to, means. Like I said, I've gone to job interviews wearing shorts because if they didn't want a guy that wore shorts doing that job, I don't want that job. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that's it for Carl and Sadiq for now. We go back to Michonne and Rosita. They have entered the building that they found. They make their way through a bunch of storage shelves. And with power on. This building has power. Did you oh, notice? No, but more buildings with power. Yep. Uh, they can hear some people talking about Negan and what happened at the sanctuary. And they overhear them saying whatever Rick did, he doesn't know about the fat lady here. Uh, so Michonne slowly approaches, but she accidentally kicks a tennis ball as she's Oops. walking right towards yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, they notice. And the saviors in this building, there's two of them, a man and a woman, they raise their guns, they see Rosita and they start shooting. Uh, Rosita manages to avoid the fire, but drops her gun as everybody <sighs> sort of spreads out around the room. Why would you drop your gun? Well, she Don't was- drop your gun. She you was, need that thing. She was startled. So she dropped it and then couldn't pick it up. It slid under a shelf. She's obviously never had military training, even though she's had sort of under uh, Abraham. Yes. You don't leave your weapon behind. You absolutely need that thing at all times. It's the, you know, your primary focus in life is to have that thing within arm's reach at every moment of your life. Yeah, but if you drop it and it falls down a hole and you can't get it, I mean, you're not going to jump down the hole. You're going to run away. 
yeah, in my experience, if that would happen, I'd be doing two, 300 pushups. Sure. But you're not in an actual No, I was war in basic zone. training. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, she drops her gun. It's out of reach. She runs away to try to hide. Uh, but she reaches into another crate that she finds for another weapon. And we hear the saviors whistling. So they don't know exactly where each other, where everyone is at this point. And she pulls what looks like a gun out of this crate, but I think it's a hot glue gun. I don't think it's a, it's a. Those are dangerous. You got to be careful with a hot glue gun. I mean, it may take a while to heat up, but once they're hot, shit, you got to be careful. Yes, of course you have to be careful, but it's not going to help her in her present situation. Yeah. Uh, They don't have a lot of range. No, not a lot of range. (laughs) (laughs) So good for glue and stuff to other stuff, but not for killing people good for burning fingers that's for sure that's that's true too i suppose if the person is sleeping and you fill up their mouth with hot glue that's probably bad but they'd wake up they'd wake up that sounds awful what a horrible thing to think of chris i'm sorry i'm just saying if you have a hot glue gun and you need to kill someone it's just an idea yeah if they're asleep do something else not a hot glue gun that seems (laughs) pretty sadistic really i think grab a pipe or something (laughs) Bash their head in. Okay. Well, I'll keep that in mind. Something (laughs) other than glue gun. Uh, Michonne and the female savior that are in there, they end up fighting hand to hand or with swords and pipes and stuff like that. Uh, But Michonne is hurting. You can see she's hurting a little bit, so she's not completely healed. Um, Rosita, we cut back to her. She comes face to face with the guy, but she has managed to find herself a rocket launcher which she uses against him, and he just explodes in a fireball, basically. You know, you probably thought that I thought this was ridiculous. I probably, that what I, you were thinking? I did think you would think this was ridiculous. I thought it was fucking awesome. Really? I thought it was great. <laughs> I have no problems with this whatsoever, and I don't know why. I mean, gun, unrealistic handguns and, and uh, automatic rifles can't deal with, but rocket launcher to a dude's chest... I mean, and the guy just like disintegrates in a cloud of vapor and various ribbony things. I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, you don't even see any body parts fly or anything. The guy's just no. gone, basically. No, He's... They, they obviously blew up a paper mache dude, but I thought it was great. Okay. I'd, you know, do this all day long. I'd be happy. <laughs> all day long. Bazooka kills. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so she blows him up. The woman, I guess, got away from Michonne. She jumps in, jumps in the truck and there's a truck there and it's full of speakers in the back. And that's where they were hearing the music from the sound. Yeah. So she's my idea. I had this idea. Uh, yeah. So the idea here is they were going to use this fat lady. I think they're, this is the fat lady, the truck. Yeah. The fat lady sings. The party's yep. not over. The show's not over till the fat lady sings. Got it. So they're going to drive the fat lady over to the sanctuary, make a bunch of noise and lure the walkers away so that they can get in and out safely again. Yeah. That's so I, I had this idea rather than using dynamite to lead people, just fill a truck with a couple of speakers, a generator, some gas and uh, play some music. Yeah. And just draw them away. I, mean, I wouldn't play this warm-up vocalizing exercise bullshit that the uh, opera crap that they were playing, though. I'd put on Back in Black. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? I'd feel <laughs> like I was in an Iron Man movie. That would be really cool, just <laughs> driving a truck slow enough just to stay ahead of the zombies playing, you know, Back in Black oh, at great. full volume. Maybe Thunderstruck. I want to do that today. All right. <laughs> like, I, I'd like to do that you know, myself, but to do that in the zombie apocalypse, I'd feel like the coolest person that ever lived. Nice. And you would be for a moment or two. I think I would be. I think that would be a true fact. Go 
fill your trunk with speakers tomorrow and drive around your neighborhood doing that. I'd love to see that. You'd, you'd probably get on the news. I'd probably get on the news. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, that's what I would do. All I right. wouldn't play this stuff. I'd, I'd, I'd do exactly this only with ACDC. Well, their idea was to to lure the zombies away with this fat lady truck. Uh, anyways, this savior jumps and she drives out. Michonne and Rosita think they've lost her and they come running out and they, they watch her drive away. But suddenly out of nowhere, the truck is T-boned by a garbage truck and destroyed. Um, Worst scene in the show. So Daryl and Tara jump out of the garbage truck and it's them who have just showed up at the right second to save the day. This, the writers in the show love Days Ex Machina so much that they try and put it in every episode, and it's making me sad. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. It just it doesn't feel like there's any reason for Daryl and Tara to be there. No, if, if Daryl and Tara got out of the truck and were like, holy shit, what was that? And they were surprised by the situation... That'd make it better. The like other we're pro- just driving around in this truck and all of a sudden we hit this vehicle. Holy shit. Well, that's the problem. There's no indication that Daryl and Tara even knew that Machine, Mich- uh, Michonne and Rosita had left Alexandria, right? Yeah. And they were talking on the porch. They were talking on the porch. Uh, Where did they get a garbage truck? Well, that's the other thing. I thought, oh my God, the that's, that's scavengers have showed up all of a sudden because we've seen them driving garbage trucks before. But nope, now they have a garbage truck. And the other thing is that this whole scene, if I'm not mistaken, and if I missed something, please correct me, but this whole scene was a fluke and accidental. And I mean, starting from when Michonne and Rosita even showed up there because they were on their way to the sanctuary and just happened to hear the the music. They happened to be able to follow it. They stumbled upon these people doing this completely by accident. And then the resolution to it all with the garbage truck was, again, out of nowhere. So as as kind of fun as the scene was, and I didn't mind the fighting, and I thought the rocket launcher explosion was a bit ridiculous, but I'm glad you liked it. The whole thing was just random and kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. It wasn't part of the plan, as far as I understand. No, it absolutely was not part of the plan. And so not only did they come out of nowhere, but they came out of nowhere from nowhere. And I don't even know if that makes sense. Well, I, it, it does in a way. You know, I know what you mean. They came out of nowhere from nowhere because they weren't even supposed to be there. And they, got, they were in a garbage truck. Yeah. Where'd they get that? I don't know. Well. Next thing you know, Daryl's going to be flying a helicopter. Because the last time, yeah, we saw him on a porch. Now they got a garbage truck. And then uh, we know that helicopters exist in this particular part of the world at this particular time. So Daryl's going to end up in a fucking helicopter next. You never know. I mean, it's, he seems to be. Calling in a flyer. Yeah. He seems to be able to end up anywhere. Uh, Before we finish the scene though, Michonne explains that the saviors were scavenging when they surrounded the sanctuary these two particular saviors were out scavenging when they surrounded the sanctuary with walkers um and they were going to try to lead them away with sound and i'll be honest with you i feel like this was you know a character in the show explaining what was going on to the audience because it wasn't clear enough from the scene um i'm i I only really fully understood what was going on when michonne said that and I also don't even understand how Michonne herself figured that so uh, so figured that out so quickly. And I know it comes from what they overheard when they were sneaking their way in. And this is a case where I did not watch it with the subtitles on. So maybe the subtitles had a little bit more 
of than what I could hear just watching it. But still, that doesn't seem like it's clear enough or enough information for us to figure out what's going on. So most of this scene did not, even though it was fun, did not really work for me. Yeah. It, I, I knew what the truck was for as soon as I saw the truck. Like okay. as soon as I saw a truck full of speakers and I knew uh, before that there was loud music playing. Sure. I kind of, I put it all together. Uh, but okay. So if these two were out scavenging uh, when the attack took place, did this warehouse that they're in, was it a place that they just found or is it a base for uh, like what a Negan's base is? Yeah, that I don't know. I mean, if they were out scavenging, maybe they, maybe they had come back there with supplies and that's where they were storing them. Um, right. and cause it had, if they had just found it, this building that they just found had power, sound equipment and rocket launchers. And plenty of other stuff. Cause there were a lot of there shelves there. There's tennis balls all over the place. Right. Um, so I, so I think this is probably a storage facility for the sanctuary and whatever they had been doing outside when they surrounded the place, um, they came here to gather what they needed to execute this plan to try and clear the zombies. So they store the rocket launchers with the sound equipment and not with the heavy guns. Well, yeah, I, maybe they spread out their heavy weapons around different places. I don't know. With no guards. This is what, this is what I'm saying. None of this is really explained very well or makes a lot of sense. Yet there were things about this scene I enjoyed. I just wish they'd set it up better. Yeah. And ended it better. Like have your actions actually have consequences instead of uh, Daryl and Tara magically showing up in a garbage truck to save the day at the exact right time in the exact right place at the exact right speed. You're right. There's too much exact right about this and just not enough messiness. Uh, But Tara asks why they're out there and Michonne says again, she needs to see the sanctuary. So that just reinforces the fact Daryl and Tara didn't even know they were there. What are you doing out here? I mean, maybe they knew they were out, but not what they were doing or why they were going somewhere. So less sense is made now. Um, And, you know, before we cut to commercial, Daryl says that they have a lot more work to do. They do. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. Okay, let's meet our contestants this week. Contestant number one, what's your name and where are you from? I am the king. Okay, King, not one. Not one. Okay, King, where are you from? Yet I smile. Yet I smile. Okay, Kingy, thanks very much. Contestant number two, what's your name and where are you from? I'm the widow. The the wid- widow? Widow? The widow. Oh, you're the widow. And, and, and where are you from, widow? Okay, you just look moody and broody. Okay, and contestant number three, uh, your name and where are you from? My name's Rick. Okay, Rick, where are you from? How many walkers have you killed? How many people have you killed? Why? (laughs) Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here are our contestants, the king, the widow, and Rick. Thank you, Glenn, in sunny England for that. Very, very good. Uh, that was I, awesome. That's a perfect explanation for the title. It's a it's a game show. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, I think that would make an excellent sketch of some kind. It reminded me of Celebrity Jeopardy from Saturday Night Live, and it's probably what, or may have been what Glenn was going for, but I think it was really, really well done. So congratulations, Glenn. 
I'll take the penis mighty for 200, Alex. The penis mightier, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So after the break, we come back. Carol goes to see Ezekiel again, and she goes to shoot open the door this time. But Jerry says, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's unlocked. You can just go yeah, in. At least she's using a shotgun. That's the appropriate tool for that job. That's true. You're right. If you're going to shoot open a door, use a shotgun. I mean, it's yeah. the appropriate weapon to shoot open a door. Yeah, perfect, perfect uh, overkill tool. Sure. I mean, you could use a crowbar. You could use an axe or, a, you know, a double-bladed battle axe or a kick in the door. Yeah. Or you could just try the door first. You could maybe see if it's open. turn the knob and, and, or, and see. Or, you know, hey, do you happen to have a key for this? Yeah, yeah. Can I just go in there? <laughs> oh, it's unlocked. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, inside she goes and uh, Carol approaches Ezekiel. He's sitting, not on his throne, sort of down on the stage, leaning against it. And he says he knows what she wants him to do, but he can't. And Ezekiel talks about how he shouldn't have played the part of king when the stakes were the lives of his people, which I thought was a really good line, to be honest. It is a good line. This whole uh, conversation between the two, I thought was, uh, was really well done, except for the fact that Ezekiel was still, even in his abject sorrow, he's still theatrical. Right, he's sitting in front of the throne with the chain, uh, kind of sitting there, kind of majestically loungy. Yeah, it was but a little, it was a little too on the nose for me. I but don't know. Other than that, I thought the conversation was really well done from start to finish. Conversation really good. I don't know if I agree. Like he's he's slumped down. You know, he is definitely not the king we know. Um, but uh, he he basically says he wants to be left alone. Carol goes to leave, or she. She turns around to go to leave, but then she comes back and she asks why he kept coming to visit her, I guess, when she was living out in that cottage. And he admits that Carol made him feel real and not like a, a fictional person. Right. Um, and at this, she breaks down in tears and assures him that Ezekiel is real to her and to the kingdom. And uh, he suggests that Carol could lead them, but she says it was him that inspired them and that he can help them grieve and move on. And uh, she basically finishes with, people need King Ezekiel, even if he's just playing the part. Uh, but he says he can't do it anymore. Yeah, suck it up, buddy. <laughs> well, Don't do it for yourself. Do it for the people that, uh, that need it. Yeah, do it for the people, um, because everything is going to fall apart if he can't do that. I mean, maybe take, ta- take his time, but then come out and say, the king is back, baby. And uh, let's get this done. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Ask me a question. You've, over the last 10 years, uh, have disappointed yourself or disappointed others, and you felt horrible for a little while. Every time I look in the mirror. Okay, not just that, but in real life, you've actually felt bad. Sure. Do you, when you feel bad, go to work, sit in front of your desk on the floor, and just feel bad for yourself? Or do you lie on the couch and, or lie in bed? And uh, feel bad, like go into a, a cocoon safe space and, and feel bad for yourself. Well, I mean, I definitely don't go to work and chain myself to my desk or chain myself in front of the desk and, and slump down there. I'm, I might do some, if I do anything, it'll be at home. Right. So that's what I would do. I just, I'd go, I'd go someplace in my house. I'd lie down and probably watch documentaries on Netflix because that's what I do when I feel bad. Uh-huh. I would like to watch documentaries. And usually Netflix has some pretty good ones, so I'll, I'll watch them there. But, you know, failing that, I'll just lie on the couch. I'll just just lie there 
feeling bad for myself. I don't go and, you know, uh, theatrically sit in front of my throne or a chair in my house on the floor and uh, play feeling bad for myself until somebody shows up. Yeah, but it's he's feeling bad because he's not he's at the location where he was king, right? And he doesn't feel like king anymore. So I could see if you're saying he wouldn't want to be there because that's where he was the king. But I can also kind of understand that's where he went because this is the source of his his uh, depression right now. And he's no longer the king. He doesn't feel worthy enough to sit in that chair, but he's going to sit near it to see if right. maybe it can bring out the king in him again. I think the point I'm trying to make is that you should never trust an actor because they never stop acting. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think there was a problem. I didn't think there was a problem with this scene. I think Curry Payton did a great job. I, I totally bought that he was not feeling the role anymore. Um, you know, the role within the role, kind of. If he was if he was in his house, you know, remember that scene uh just the last episode where he uh was wearing just his t shirt and he came he was going in and getting his uh his character on and stuff. Yep. So take there was before he did that, he didn't he wasn't in character. He was out of character in his safe place. If he's gonna be sad, that's what he should be doing. He shouldn't be sitting someplace in character. Mm-hmm. Because he's in character there talking about being real and that just couldn't, kind of didn't, didn't jive with me. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. I just don't think he was quite in character as much. You know, right. he, he hadn't dropped it fully and you're right. Maybe he should have. Maybe he should have been much more just plain old some guy Ezekiel than King Ezekiel. Um, a robe, like a dirty old robe. Yeah. Like something ratty that he's been wearing for like 10 years too long. I feel like though he, when they came back, which, you know, may have only been a couple of hours ago, the first thing he did was he went straight to that room and slumped down, you know? So it's not like he's been there that long. Maybe left alone for another couple hours, he would have got up and went home and took off his outfit and said, I'm not the king anymore. What about curling up in the corner of the bottom of the lion's cage and feeling bad about having the, or the tiger tiger being killed and just calling crawling into her cage somewhere yeah i i i would have been okay with that you know that makes I, sense i was kind of hoping that he would take his wig off like he would just he would be there with like without the dreads so it would be have that be part of his character that, that it's actually i know the dreads aren't real right they're not real no no I mean, so it would be fun to see him without the dreads and then go, go holy shit the dreads were part of the king character that's awesome yeah that actually would have been i would have been okay with that too it would have been a fun surprise, right? It would have been, yeah. So, oh well, opportunities lost. Yeah, I guess so. Too late now. Um, we out in the hilltop prison pen. We go. Jared is there secretly, secretly trying to cut the ropes that are binding his hands. Why would they put him in the? Why would they put all these people in the in the pen and still have them tied up? That seems cruel and unusual. No, I think they tied him up because he tried to escape. The other guys aren't all tied up, are they? Oh, so he right? He tried to escape, and they're like, oh, no, okay, we. Okay, so he's just. We got to tie him, him up. up. Yeah. But you, when you tie somebody up with natural fibers, they stretch. You can get out of them. Like, well, you just work them for a couple hours and you get out. Fair enough. But you use what you have, I'm thinking. So maybe they just tied him up for a while and be like, until you settle down, you're going to stay tied up. Yeah. Wouldn't, if you're going to use what you have, wouldn't you use a buddy? Hey, dude, untie me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, he has a buddy. Dylan, and that's this guy's name, uh, we find out, well, we don't find out, I looked it up, but finally started writing it down. So Dylan 
bumps him, knocks the rock that he's using out of his hand, and Dylan says that he's not going to let Jared get them all killed. So uh, Jared then says that, you know, he thinks that if they keep it together in here, and the hilltop will be theirs. What I was curious about in this scene is, this makes me think that Dylan really is just trying to um, not get himself killed and do what he's being told because no one's around at this point. He doesn't have to put on a show for any of the Hilltop people. He genuinely is trying to convince Jared not to screw this up for them. It's so you think he's on the level then? I think he's, no, well, maybe it depends what you mean. Like on the level by just not wanting to get killed and wanting to work with them and being like, look, again, I'm just trying to survive here. So yeah. I have nothing every against you guys. Every word he said, every action he's taken has been truthful to what he actually wants to do. That's what I'm trying to say. Then he's on the level. Okay. <laughs> That's what you think he's on the level. He's, he's playing it, playing it true. Sure. Uh, so I think he might be on the level. Sorry. That was, it's a phrase from the thirties. No, it's fine. I know what it means. I just wasn't sure if it applied, but it does. So yeah. I believe Dylan. Okay. And because of what he did here. Uh, now inside Aaron is talking to Maggie and Enid about losing Eric and Maggie's holding baby Gracie. So she's doing a little baby practice there. And she says to Aaron, she knows how he feels. And she says that it doesn't get easier, but it helps to do something about it. Whatever that might be. Uh, Jesus comes in and says Maggie did the right thing and thanks her. But she says that uh, the prisoners that they have might be used as bargaining chips. Maybe they can trade them for their own people later on. and. If not, they can't let them live. So she's hanging on to them for now because they could be useful, but I think Maggie intends to dispose of them if a time comes when they will no longer potentially be useful. And you could see on Jesus's face, this is not the answer he wanted. No, but it's a time-honored tradition to take prisoners and trade them for other people that have been taken prisoner. Yeah, it happens to this day in, in the real world. And I think Maggie has so far made all the right decisions, but at this point, Jesus was feeling that as well, but then she said, you know, we can't let them live. If we don't need them for anything, we can't let them live. And he really looked disappointed by that. Oh, you can give, put them into forced labor. Make them, <laughs> you know, hoe a row somewhere. So much better than what they had back at uh, the sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. Dig a trench, build a fence. Uh, I'm not you so. Know, hoe a row. I'm give not, them a sense of purpose and eventually bring them into the fold. Not so, you don't have to kill them, Jesus. Well, that's what she's saying. I'm not so sure Jesus is on board with that anyways. So Jesus wouldn't be on board with that. That's a horrible thing. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we go outside and Aaron is getting in a car, appears to be leaving. Enid comes up to him and, and, and asks where he's going. And he says to make sure we win. And she says, I want to go with you too. And he agrees. And he says they might be gone for a while. So, Sorry, did I miss, uh, is that, was that just a ploy to get rid of her so he could leave? Uh, no, no, no. He genuinely was like, go get your stuff and get some food because we're going to be gone a while. Yeah, that's so sure. Okay, so you think he's just going to hop in the car, drive away and leave her there? <laughs> yeah, because, so if you, if somebody asks you for something and you say no, that's the perfect opportunity for them to whittle down why you said no. Well, why do you think that? Then and then they work on it. It's a sales technique, right? The best sure. answer you can get is yes. The second best answer you can get is no. The worst answer you can get is, well, let me think about it. Right. You know? Okay. So uh, if she asked, can I go with you? He could say yes, or he could say no, but he didn't do either. He said, sure, go get your stuff. 
And then that she runs away and he just gets in the car and drives away. It's perfect. Well, you you make an interesting point, but I, I genuinely think she's going with him. You're probably right, the, but that's the, it's a great way to get rid of her. Yeah. You know, go pack. We got, we're going to be gone for like three, four days. You better get lots of stuff and it better take you at least half an hour. Yeah, yeah. The bigger question for <laughs> me, though, is what is Aaron doing? Like, what's his plan here? He says he's going to go to make sure we win. So has he got his own ideas now of of something to do like Daryl seems to? Well, it's one of those things. We don't know the plan, so it'll work. Got and it. If you told us what he was going to do, we'd know it'd fail. Right. And we know what Daryl's plan is. It's to go and like blow a hole in the in the place and let the zombies in. So that, that's, there's no way that's going to work. Well, it might now because they found a, uh, a building full of rocket launchers and sound equipment and tennis balls. Sure. But <laughs> I mean, since we kind of know that's what they're doing, you know, if you're theory holds up, that'll never work. Yeah. But Aaron, we have no idea what's going on. So he's going to show up. And pull off something amazing. And well, now he's the day's ex machina, right? Because he's going to come out of nowhere. We're not oh. going to hear a damn thing about him until he shows up and saves the day. Crap. Which I, he did, apparently. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope this isn't another Heath where he's like, I'm leaving for a while. We're going to be gone a while. And then we're not going to see these two characters until the back half of this season. And then there'll be one episode about what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I hope not. Anyways. Uh that's it for that. Um, Daryl, Tara, Michonne, and Rosita pull up outside the sanctuary and take a look through a scope at the walkers surrounding the place. And this is what all this is what Michonne wanted to do, and uh, Rosita to a lesser degree. Daryl says that they're going to end this thing right now. Sweet. So that's great news. Hopefully they can pull that off. I look forward to that working and that the show, the whole storyline around this will be over. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we cut to the junkyard. Jadis walks up to a shipping container in the junkyard and she chalks the letter A on the side of it in white chalk. The camera pans down to an eye looking out of a hole in the side. We cut inside the container and it's naked Rick, naked sweaty Rick in there being held with his wrists bound, cut to black. Yeah. So he has nobody to tell to say they don't know who they're fucking with. He, That's the only problem with this, because this is exactly what happened in Terminus, right? Yeah, it is. And he has no one to tell. He has no one to deliver that line to. Yeah. So, shit. <laughs> the bigger <laughs> question, though, is what is it with this show and the letter friggin' A? So, real quick, Jadis draws an A on this... Uh, on this shipping container. Yep. A, they were in train car A at Terminus. Yep. Uh, Daryl wore a jumpsuit with the letter A on it when he was stuck at the sanctuary. Yep. And Sam, little Sam, Jesse's son, remember back at Alexandria, was stamping the letter A on people's hands. Those are just the ones I can think of. There might even be more letter A references on this show. So what is the deal with that? And does it all mean something? I'm looking it up. I think it might be A for a Sararak. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, a Sararak is a very powerful lich. Uh, he's actually on the cover of the Dungeon Master's Guide in the <laughs> most recent version of D, uh, D&D. Okay. And uh, he is the uh, the big bad guy in the at the end of the Tomb of Horrors uh D&D module and actually was featured in um, that book. What's it called? They're just making a movie. Damn it. 
Uh, they're making a movie or the movie's already They're making out? a movie about this book, uh, Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. It's coming out soon, so he, Tomb of Horrors actually plays a part in that novel and in the movie, I assume. So A might be for Asararach, the, the, uh, the Lich Lord. Okay, the, well, I mean. The Demi-Lich. If we're to believe you, there's a Lich running this whole thing. Uh, but if not, I don't know. I mean, the Junkyard does not have, that we know of, any connection back to Terminus. Um, I suppose there's a connection between the Scavengers and the Saviors. And so the A that Daryl was wearing and the A here could mean something or could be related in some way um but but it all just isn't coming together for me so is it a thing the show's doing on purpose that they're going to reveal at some point or are they just playing this off as every time there's a prisoner you mark it with an a although sam was just stamping people's hands but who knows so i i don't know i don't know what it all means no i don't think there's any meaning behind it i think it's just a uh an easter egg that they put in I guess. Like but the it, writers put in just so it's like, hey, another A, isn't that cool? It seems kind of overt to be an Easter egg though, right? Like it's yeah, not like it's, Maybe it's one of those things they put in just to see what the uh, uh, the podcast pundits will uh, make of it. <laughs> yeah, see what they come up with and then- <laughs> Bet you they think it means a lich. Yeah. Crazy <laughs> no, bastards I'll on the you, internet. <laughs> I'll bet you they're not, no one's sitting around going, they probably think it means a Sararak the lich. <laughs> but hey, you never know. Yep. Uh, and that's the episode. So, um, this one I had, I got to admit, Jason, I think I had a better time talking about it here with you than I did watching it. Uh, it, it was pretty boring. It was a little bit boring. Um, and I thought some of the stuff, as you know, didn't really make a lot of sense with Michonne and Rosita. Uh, the, the fight that Carl and, Sadiq got into was kind of silly. I mean, they should have just moved on and not risked their lives like that. Um, so yeah, the, the part I enjoyed the most, to be honest, was the stuff with Gregory, I think, and, and Maggie's handling of those prisoners. I did enjoy all that. Uh, and like you said, the Carol and Ezekiel conversation, despite your problems with Ezekiel, the conversation was good and the writing there was really good. So I, I agree, I agree a hundred percent there. It was the staging of the conversation that I had a problem with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but other than that, it was, uh, it was a very transitionary episode. I feel like it's just like, all right, we're going to take a minute. And I know I wanted them to slow down. <laughs> I said that a few weeks ago, they need to slow this down a bit, but, uh, I don't know, slow down and still have something happen rather yeah. than just this. I mean, the first 10 minutes of the episode was them reading mail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and that says a lot right there. So I'm not going to say I, I really disliked it, but there, I just, there wasn't too much for me to grab onto in this episode and go, all right, this is why we're watching this. This is important information. Um, we already know how Ezekiel's feeling, or at least we could really infer it. You know, we didn't need all of that, despite how good that writing was. Um, and I guess the Maggie decision-making was good. I, I, I think that's important for her character too. She's, we're, we're really seeing her be a leader. We know she's taken over the hilltop, but this is maybe the first real sort of leadership dilemma we've seen her face and handle. So I thought that was good. Um, but, but yeah, the, a lot, a lot of it, 
did much for me. So after last week's great episode, which I know was a bit polarizing because many people didn't like that one, uh, I'll be curious to find out what people thought of this one uh, with, with some feedback. So any other thoughts on it before we move on? You didn't even latch on to the, uh, the Jadis not wearing a whole lot of clothes. That wasn't the thing you latched onto and went, uh, yeah, this is awesome. Well, I, I don't know how I could because it was just so weird and, and we already know Jadis is weird and that's kind of my point. You know, we don't really need that red apron doing art scene to tell us these people are weird. You, you're telling me you don't have a red leather apron that you use to, uh, make art in the nude with? I'm not saying I don't have one, but, uh, you know. <laughs> it's red and it's leather, but it's not an apron. And it's not for art. <laughs> it's more of a gimp mask. <laughs> that's right. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's that. And I don't know. make art. Very, very, very strange, uh, but that's it. So let us know what you thought of the episode. Tell us how we're right, how we're wrong. Send your feedback into talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to uh, be, you know just enlightened as to what's going on with this episode. Okay, Jason, we're not going to take a break this time. We're just going to move straight into the next segment. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel good about that. Holy crap. Did you see that? We're going to read some holy crap moments, and then we have something else to talk about at the end of the episode. So first one here comes from Danny. On the internet, Danny says, holy crap, how crap is Carl at killing walkers? This kid, or should I say man, as he's bigger than some of our other full-grown men on the show, has been around for ages now and has been surrounded by some of the toughest characters around. How can he struggle to take down one walker? I know more of them showed up, but he seems to struggle all the time when he doesn't have a gun. So, uh, yeah, that's... One of my problems with this, like he seemed to get overwhelmed awfully quickly and uh, he should be better at this by now. You'd think he'd be better at this. I mean, he is missing an eye. To be fair, he's missing an eye. You're absolutely right. And, you know, shit happens. But I just feel like he should have been a little bit better at it. And, and yeah, frankly, be better at it they now. shouldn't have even tried to kill these zombies. You know, I know you want to kill them so they don't come back and bite you later, but sometimes just choose, pick your moments, right? Choose yeah, your, battles. your battles. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You don't need the deer that badly. You don't need to release their souls well, today. But right. You, maybe you do, but you don't have to do it right now. Do it when it's safe. That's my philosophy on life. Do I really need to do that right now? Is that a today thing or is that a tomorrow <laughs> thing? I'm pretty sure that's a tomorrow thing. There you go. Fair enough. Killing zombies or... Anything Changing else. the letter. Exactly. That sounds like a Wednesday thing to me. That's not a Tuesday thing. <laughs> Got it. Uh, next is Jack from Victoria, BC. Jack writes, did you see the pointless risk that Coral and Sadiq took to bond? Next time, try something safer, like sharing a can of pudding. In their oh, remember that can of pudding? That was awesome. I do. That was safe. I think about that can of pudding every now and again. Jack goes on, in their defense, the other walkers practically decloaked on top of them, so I suppose they had no choice. At least Rick is doing all the right things. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, Star Trek reference. Awesome. I know. I like that. They decloaked right on top of them. So what? how could they even see them coming? Yeah. Justine in NorCal writes, holy crap, did you hear that? Did Gregory call Jesus, quote, our hippie dippy kung fu fighting friend? Best name ever. And totally the kind of guy I would pick for my team. Absolutely. 
I was making dinner for Jasper the other day and just popped into my head. Everybody was kung fu fighting. I love that song. It's great. It's great. Now someone make a remix of Jason singing that. Oh, please don't. I have a cold. I'm not singing. I'm not a good singer to begin with. (laughs) Uh, Jasper likes my singing. Well, I'm sure he does. Noop J on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that Gregory totally got punked? I absolutely loved that moment with him biting, uh, him butting in just one too many times and Maggie saying, you're right, Gregory, about wolves among the sheep. And then she locked his punk ass up. Yeah. Very good stuff. It's not the end of Gregory. He's going to come back and be sad and annoying some other day. (laughs) He probably is until one day he's just too sad and too annoying and they redeem him and kill him off. That's right. He needs to be redeemed first. And yeah. He's not there yet. He's not there yet. Jackland in Oklahoma writes, holy crap, did you see Gregory brought low? I loved seeing him throw tantrum like a little child when he when it was his turn to go into the new makeshift prison, but also found it amusing that he immediately was trying to uh, ingratiate himself to the saviors. Once a politician, always a politician. Yeah. And we don't really see that, but that's something that Jesus mentioned when he comes in to talk to Maggie uh, just before the end of the episode there, that now Gregory is trying to uh, get back on the Savior's good side because he's locked in there with him. So that's a good opportunity for him. Never miss an opportunity to uh, cater to the people you want to ingratiate. I guess so. Yeah. To cater to the people who are most likely to beat you up at any given moment. <laughs> Yeah, or, yeah, so this is a great opportunity. I think Maggie's making a mistake putting him in there with, with, the, with the saviors. Well, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, a, I think it's awesome. But you're right. Uh, Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Holy crap, one of your observations has come true again. This time pertaining to the main characters immediately doing the opposite of what they say. Maggie, quote, we will feed them, we will not treat them poorly, end quote. 90 seconds later, she's butt-ending the douchebag in the temple for talking back. <laughs> that's but, right but but she did say we will not tolerate any uh disobedience and he was trying to escape so i think it was okay to butt end butt end him in the face that right? kind of shit hurts of course but that's how the guy learns his lesson don't try oh, yeah. to run out of here newspaper rolled up newspaper right on the nose right that'll teach him that'll that'll learn him and or rifle butt exactly uh, Sean on the internet writes, holy crap, great episode. Lots to enjoy here. The return of the rocket launcher, which ends up back with the good guys. Gregory getting put in jail. Daryl with the jump scare for the savior lady in the speaker truck. And, um, Jadis apparently sculpting in the nude. So yep. I guess some people are, are totally into it. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad of that. Ryan on the internet writes, holy crap, Daryl with the Deus Ex garbage truckina. i was honestly hoping slash expecting that rosita would i don't know blow it up with another rpg but thankfully daryl was there just in time so does this mean that they have the rpg back now obviously other than the garbage people and the occasional random outpost straggler negan has got pretty much nothing right i would assume they they don't have heavy guns yeah they have they probably have some weapons but they got a lot of people in there without any firearms they've got a lot of workers and not a lot of yeah weapon trained people but then they've all watched other people be trained jason so i'm sure they have no trouble uh using guns when they need to yeah just you know if they have youtube they're fine (laughs) that's right uh but take ryan's point i mean 
it's been a pretty successful, you know, other than the massive loss of life at the kingdom, it's been a pretty successful couple of days for everybody. They, they, they prevented the big heavy weaponry from getting back into the hands of the saviors. They got the rocket launcher, which they didn't even intend to do. It was just a funny fluke. And they successfully uh, prevented the fat lady from getting back to the sanctuary and luring the zombies away. So absolutely. And they stole a baby from somebody and they stole, they found stole, saved a baby. (laughs) (laughs) One of those things, or maybe two of them, (laughs) probably all of them. Yeah, probably all of them. Uh, Graham in Tuscaloosa writes, my holy crap moment has to be seeing the King brought low by failure and reverting back to just talking like a guy again. I loved Carol's speech to him as well. Hell, anytime I see her on screen, I always remember her from the second episode and being presented as kind of a throwaway character. She was. She's really come a long way. I'm really happy. She has. Absolutely has. I don't remember if I, I told this story on the podcast, but I may have mentioned it. When I was at Walker Stalker Atlanta and I did the panel with um, Paul Vigna, the author of this book about The Walking Dead, Someone asked who his favorite character was, and he he broke down in tears talking about Carol. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was quite a moment, actually, wow. uh, in my panel delivering life. It was not a big panel, let's be fair. There were not a lot of people there, but uh, yeah, he was emotional enough to actually cry talking about Carol as a character and all she's been through, so it was quite a thing. That's nice. Yeah. Adam she's, and- uh, yeah, she's had some really, really big highs and some really big lows. And some uh, killing little girl moments, and which she, I'm not sure where their highs or lows. Yeah, I'm not sure where, where that slots in, uh, but she's, I think she's come the farthest and changed the most and developed the most of any character on the show. So um, she's an easy, you know, she's a good character to latch onto if that's the kind of thing you like. Yeah, she's, you know, I have different favorite characters as we go through the uh, this, this series, uh, and Carol comes up to be favorite character more often than not yeah i i agree with that adam in texas writes holy crap rick is in trouble i wonder if he makes it alive i wonder if they kill him i wonder if oh wait i saw the first episode i know he makes it to become old man rick it is challenging i'm sure to build any sort of tension around rick this season we know he has at least a solid limp in this future along with the zz top level beard as well Well, i don't know if it's zz top level it's no, I don't think it's quite there, but it's easy. Top level is like tuck it in your belt kind of thing. Yeah. Rick's working on that, but he's not there yeah. yet. And I would love to get there someday. It, I'm not sure I'll ever get there, but I would love to like have like big braids in my, my, uh, my beard and then have to tuck it in my belt when I go and do stuff. Listen. And or sling it over my shoulder so that I can eat. Listen, you only live once and I say go for it. Yeah. I'm only married once and that might be the end of it. <laughs> I'm sure she'd be okay with it. If, if you I said, honey, I, I, this is something I want to do before I die. So it's not going to be forever. It's going to take a while, but I think it's going to be awesome. And when it's done, you can do anything you want. Yeah. So I think the answer I would get would be, that's nice, dear. No. <laughs> All right. I guess. I suppose, uh, <laughs> I suppose she has her opinions. There's some deal breakers. She's told me there's some deal breakers. Yeah, I know. Uh, I can tell you a couple of them. Well, I, I know. I think I know one. No What's neck that? beard, right? No neck beard. That's yeah. that's one. That's a deal breaker. I uh, I can't pants her in public. <laughs> if I were to ever pants her in public, that's a deal breaker. Do you think, is pants a, a regional term? It means pull someone pull someone's pants down unexpectedly. 
That's right. Just you, you pull their pants down. Uh, whether the underwear comes with it, that's neither here nor there. But you pull their pants down in uh, in public. All right. In private, that's no problem. But in public, that's a deal breaker. Sure. Anything so, else? Uh, not that I care to mention at this time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, now, quick though, like Adam says, it must be challenging to build any sort of tension around Rick. I I I can see what he's saying. But I'm also a big believer in it's about the journey and not the destination. So there's lots of things they can do with Rick as a character between now and old man Rick. Um, and such as strip him naked and hide him in a in a gar- uh, storage container. And I'm I'm curious about what's going to happen there. So yeah, could be anything except for death. Could be anything except for death. Yeah, that's, but that's okay. There's lots of things that can happen that would be interesting that don't involve him being killed off. Yeah, we all, we all watched Titanic, the movie, right? We all knew how that ended. Yeah. In fact, I watched some of that recently. It was, I think I put it on in the background. I've seen it many times. Yeah, I haven't had it for a while, but yeah. I don't hate that movie. I like that movie. Fair enough. I don't think, I mean, it's not a movie that you need to hate. I watched the scene where she we where she cuts the handcuffs off him with the axe. Yeah, that was a good scene. That was a good one. Now hit the same place twice. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, it's, I, I that would be hard for me to do, you know. So yeah, very difficult. <laughs> uh, let's see. Sally on the internet writes, "Holy crap! So many threads. We had Carl and the hobo, <laughs> Maggie, Jesus, and Gregory, Rick and the junkyard morons, <laughs> Carol and the king, Michonne and Rosita." Daryl and the Terra, even Eric, uh, or even Aaron and Enid, lots and lots and lots of setups, but it all felt very cogent. So that's true. There was a lot going on in this episode, even if none of it really blew me away. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we'll have to see where it all goes. Uh, Bedell in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina writes, holy crap, Jerry, that dude is funny. When he had the line, whoa, it's unlocked. I laughed my ass off. Great stuff. Also, Jerry's the best. He is the best. Also, can we call the skinny savior douche Antichrist? You know, because he looks like Jesus, only different and evil. <laughs> All right, sure. She's talking about Jesus, uh, Jared. <laughs> well, I don't know if Jesus, you know, she's talking about Jared, but Jesus isn't Christ, right? He's just a Jesus, not the Jesus, right? So we can call him Anti-Jesus. Uh, Anti-Jesus, sure. So Jared the Anti-Jesus. Jared the Anti-Jesus. Perfect. We'll have to keep that going. Uh, and finally, Mike in London writes, holy crap, did you see that? Well, no, actually I didn't because for the first time in years, I didn't bother to watch the walking dead after last week's terrible episode. I just couldn't be bothered. My guess is that there were lots of people talking and Rick and Daryl did stupid things that make no sense. Right? Well, (laughs) thanks for writing in though. Yeah. Thanks for writing in and, and kind of nailing it. (laughs) Let's, (laughs) let's be honest. I can watch it. Yeah. You could, you could watch it now. Mike, I think you should go back and watch it. I know we just talked through the whole thing, but go watch it. You know, don't give up. It's it's not something you want to do uh, un- unless you really feel like you're wasting your life. But uh, in that case, go outside and, you know, do something that, that is fulfilling. But uh, I just thought still that was... Still listen to the podcast. Still listen. You don't, you don't have to watch the show. Yeah, yeah. Listen to the podcast. Yeah. We'll tell you what's going on. We will. We will. That's, that's what we're here for. Uh, anyways, I just thought it was funny how, uh, he said lots of people talking and Rick and Daryl did stupid things that make no sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rick, work. Rick, not so much. Daryl showed up at well, a door. Why would he go there alone unarmed with, you know, armed? Oh, sorry. He wasn't unarmed. He had some Polaroids. 
He was armed with photographs. Well, what was he expecting? Yeah. Did anybody else know he was there? Yeah, he said, my people know I'm here, so if you... That's what he said. But what, what's the reality? No, he... Like, nobody seemed to give a flying fuck that Rick was, you know, probably taken prisoner by the garbage people. No, but they, well, they don't realize it yet. It hasn't been long enough, but they know he's there because, number one, they communicated by mail, and they all knew what the plan was, and he even said, I'm going to do the next part of this plan, which, you know, they know what that is, and he said that face-to-face to Daryl uh, right. when they were leaving before they chased the truck down and, and rolled it over. Um, so... They know he's there, and, and I think they'll react to it, but they just haven't yet because he hasn't, it hasn't been long enough. Is that what the garbage truck is for? They're going to pull like the, the line of garbage people, garbage trucks are going to be pulling into the compound and they're just going to pull out from, and then get in the back of the line and just go all the way in. Oh, so they're going to, that's going to be their, their sneak in strategy. Yeah. That's going to be their sneak in strategy. Maybe that's why they have a garbage truck. They're going to go in on a rescue mission for Rick. That's kind of tropey to pull into the end, but I can't think of a specific example. I can think of one. What's that? After the Joker robs the bank at the beginning of the Dark Knight, he leaves in a school bus and pulls into a line of other school buses and Yeah, like the other himself. school buses wouldn't notice that this school bus just pulled out of a bank and is full of like dust and yep. stuff. Nope. I mean, all the school buses in that line had to be in on the deal. Maybe they were. It's the friggin' Joker, man. Okay, so that that... That's a big plan, right? That's a lot of people you have to have to coordinate just for that one thing. Yeah. Right? Because the guy, the, the school bus that's behind the one that pulled out of the bank is be like, holy shit, where did that guy go? He came out of a bank. What's going on? Oh, there's a hole in that bank. What's going on there? <laughs> I'm pretty sure school buses don't drive through banks usually. <laughs> I'm going to get on the radio here or my cell phone and like talk to somebody about this because that's pretty weird. That's pretty weird. Anyways, I think you make an interesting point. The garbage truck may be related to something that they need to do by sneaking into the the scavengers place yeah didn't that ha- it must have happened in star wars i think there's something that happened like that in star wars well you know the it's millennium- odd that i can't remember it because i could probably run all three movies no the millennium uh, falcon got ejected with the garbage remember and yeah but he didn't like they didn't pull in line to sneak into somebody so someplace right like jump in the back of a line to sneak in uh, nothing's coming anyway, to me Anyway, right in for Thursday's show. And I know this is tropey. This happened a lot in movies and television shows. I need some examples. Okay. Get some examples for Jason. Yeah, please. All right. That was the last holy crap. And that means we are coming to the end of our podcast. Now, before we wrap it up, we got to talk about something important that I wish we did not have to talk about. Yeah. Um, as everyone this might get sweary, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, as a lot of you know, um, we were doing something during the month of November involving making a large charity donation to the Canadian Cancer Society. And what we were going to do is donate all of the money made from our Amazon associate links, uh, for the month to the charity. Well, I received an email from Amazon today informing us that our Amazon associate accounts have been terminated as of right now, as of today, for a violation of the Amazon terms of service for the affiliate accounts. Because one of the things you are not allowed to do is incentivize anyone to use your links. And they consider telling people that we are going to 
take the money we make and donate it to a charity as an incentive to use our links. So they've terminated our accounts and have, and we've been informed that we will not be receiving any of the earnings money uh, for not only November, but retroactively from uh, October and September uh, and maybe a month even before that. But the point is terminated, done, you guys are finished, so forget it. And the email also said that, uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but they, they, they said that uh, Due to the term, like uh, according to the current terms of agreement, we can terminate your uh, account for with or without cause, and there is no appeal. It's it says exactly that in in the email. Yeah, that there is no recourse for appeal. There's there's nothing. This is what we do. Um, and so received that email today. They uh, I received two of them actually. One informing us of the the U.S us uh, amazon affiliate account and one for our canadian one um nothing about the other stores around the world so they may have different terms and conditions or i just haven't got those emails yet i don't know that'll be tomorrow maybe i don't know maybe it was after business hours today in europe we have an australian link right we do do not have an australian yesterday we don't have an australian okay so that's why you didn't get it in the past well yeah and they don't even have an affiliate program in amazon australia but that's neither here nor there so they've terminated us and said, forget it. You can't do this. That's it. Now, it was a form letter. And, uh, you know, that's fine. Um, so at this point, uh, I have reached out to Amazon. I've called them. And my initial reaction was extreme rage because I feel like this is the wrong decision on their part. Uh, but I did take a few minutes to, to calm down and think about it and we talked about it and yeah. that helped uh i have written sort of a statement on my feelings of it but i'm going to hold on to that for now because we have begun a process with amazon to try and work something out here uh at, at least i have i am waiting to hear back from their like second level customer support which um Depending on how that goes, you know, it may inform <laughs> whether I change this statement or release it as is or not release it altogether. But as I was, you know, like I said, I, I my first reaction was really, really angry about the whole thing. Um, uh, and I, but I didn't want to I didn't want to come out and say something stupid before I kind of collected myself a little bit. Yeah. I feel kind of sick and sad about the whole thing. Yeah. As did I, when I, when I first got the email, it just, just made me feel absolutely awful and terrible because, you know, we, we came up with this idea for the charity donation, uh, with absolutely 100% good intentions. You know, there's no, nothing, not trying to be sneaky here or anything like that. We just wanted to give something back. Uh, you know, to a, to a good cause. We've been doing this for a long time and I thought it was about time. And then they come along with this and basically say you're done and you don't get paid not only for November, but for the other months as well when we weren't doing this. Right. Now, that being said, um, I can understand Amazon's point and I, com- I take complete and full responsibility for not going and reading fully all of the terms and conditions, but I can honestly 100% say that when we came up with this idea, Jason, the thought just never occurred to me 
that this would not be allowed, would not be, that it would be against their, their terms uh, like this, which maybe was naive on my part, but that's the way it went down. You know, I was so excited yeah. about doing something that I felt was important and was good and helpful and just a small way of, you know, making the world a better place that I just never thought that it would come to something like this. Yeah. So, you know, that's my, that's my bad and I can handle that. Um, and, uh, you know, it just, it, it just doesn't come down to, I don't care about the money. I care about the fact that we're not going to, or that, um, you know, that they're sort of telling us we can't do this because that seems really shitty. So regardless of the outcome of my dealings with Amazon, we are going to make a donation to the Canadian Cancer Society, and we are going to make it in uh, roughly the amount that we would have been um, uh, donating had we actually tallied up the Amazon money. But uh, so so everyone can feel cool, good about that. The money will still be going to them. It's just, you know, it's not going to be <laughs> directly coming from any specific, you know, activity on our part. Right. Which is, I guess, the only way to say that. So um, at the end of the day, though, we'll see what Amazon comes back with uh, and um, and we'll just take it from there. I think the best case scenario would be they they tell us, well, you did this for November, so you can't have your November money. But, you know, here's the previous months and uh, do what you want with it. Yeah. And maintain the account. Maintaining the account would be nice too, but you know what, if they're going to, if they're going to say, screw you guys, you can't, you can't work with us anymore, but, but we'll pay you for what you have generated so far. Um, I guess, you know, I guess I'd be okay with that, but yeah, I'd like to keep the account, but Hey, we broke the rules and sometimes there are consequences, but the whole thing was a big misunderstanding accident. And, uh, you know, I feel bad about the whole thing. Yeah, I feel really bad about it myself. So I apologize to everyone for messing that up. Um, I hope it doesn't leave a bad taste in anyone's mouth. Uh, and and I just want to say, uh, you know, a huge thank you to everyone that did participate in in the uh, the sort of charity idea for the whole month. I hope you don't feel like it was wasted. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, rest assured, too, that we're going to make a donation no matter what. And it's going to be more or less for the amount that I think we would have been giving had this all worked out. So, um, our Amazon links currently don't work, so they've been disabled. Don't bother clicking on them, uh, at this time. I know we're only a few days from the end of the month anyways, but I needed to throw this out there for now and just be transparent and let everyone know what the status of the thing is. So I'll update everyone when I hear back from Amazon and hopefully they come back with good news. Um, but that's where we stand for now. Yeah. Anything to add? Crappy. Anything to add? That? <laughs> We've been doing this long enough that you wouldn't think we'd just talk over each other, but I was just wondering if you had anything to add to it. No, I just think it's really crappy. I, cra I think it's uh, it's shitty that they would think that a charity drive would be, inst uh, you know, uh, a reason for violating their terms of service. Yeah. I mean, it's... It, it's, it's a violation. I, I understand that. And it says in there that you can't incentivize people by doing all one of these list of things. And one of those things actually is donate to charity. Oh, 
it's listed. It's and that's what I'm saying. Like my bad. I did not read that part. I didn't even think that it would be a thing. It just never came into my mind. So it's you know, and that's what I told the person on the phone that I've already spoken to. I'm like, look, I I get it. I I broke the rules, but you know, it was with good intentions and. And I tried to say, you know, it was a limited time thing. We've never done this before. It was for a set 30 day or 31 day period, and we weren't going to do it after. So, you know, if they want to cancel, cancel us, that's fine. And I can live with that and I'll understand it. I'll feel pretty bad about it. I'm not going to be happy with Amazon about it, but they have their terms and they have them for a reason. So you have to live with that. And, and I can also understand why incentivizing people to use these links is is a bad thing and that they have to kind of lock it down because if there was no rules around that that kind of behavior would probably be rampant and people would be offering all sorts of uh reasons or incentives for people to use their links but you know a charity drive um does seem like the kind of thing that isn't really doesn't have any malicious intent you know well there's a I can see it on a couple of fronts. Uh, one is that the there's no actual uh, guarantee that anybody that's doing a charity drive will actually give the money to charity. Sure. So it might be a complete fabrication. I completely understand that. And Amazon, even if you do uh, give the money to charity, uh, there's no a way for Amazon to control what charity they're being given to. So mm-hmm. it might be, you know saying, hey, uh, buy, click our Amazon links and we will give money to extraterrestrials for a nuclear winter, right? Like we just, yeah. the, the ETs, they want to bomb the world. Let's give them some money because we like that idea, mm-hmm. you know? And now Amazon can be accused of supporting that uh, that awful, awful outcome. Right, and and that's what I mean. That's why I can understand it and I get why they have these, these rules. Um, but in our case, it sucks. And- It does. And, and that's- all it comes down to really so um yeah so i don't know what what's going to happen here but uh in any case i'm sorry i hope no one's too upset about it and uh we'll still be making a uh, charitable donation which we'll talk about more in a week or two when this is a little bit more resolved but for now um that's it we're not giving any of our Amazon money to charity because that's not allowed. And uh, that's where we'll have to leave it for now. So, yeah. all right. Uh, thanks for listening to that, everyone. And um, we will be back later this week with our feedback show for uh, this, the King, um, the Widow and Rick. If you want to send in your thoughts and comments, please do. Uh, I feel like we haven't got as much feedback so far this week, but that's probably because this episode hasn't come out yet (laughs) and uh, people don't have it to react to. So send your thoughts to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com or visit the site and click on send voicemail to record a voice message for us. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And uh, that's going to wrap things up for tonight. So until next time, everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.